You and I are called to work with God, to represent Him, and so we can speak things which release life. We can speak over our business, speak over our marriage, speak over people's lives, words that carry life. We can speak life words or death words. And he speaks the words of life here. <clears throat> so his father's speaking to him. He's getting a patriarchal blessing, the blessing of a father. Now this is what his father declares over him. Joseph is a fruitful tree, even a fruitful tree by a well, whose branches go over or run over the wall. The archers have surely grieved him, sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. But his bow remains in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From where gets the shepherd the stone of Israel? Speaking of Jesus. Even the God of my Father, who shall help you, the Almighty, who shall bless you with blessings of heaven above and the blessings of the deep, the blessings of the breasts and the womb, the blessings of your fathers have prevailed over even the ones who went before to the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be upon the head of Joseph, on the crown of him that was separate from his brethren. Ooh, Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you have called us to be like Joseph. We thank you, Lord, that same prophetic decree over his life rests over us. Help us to understand it, to embrace it, to operate out of the spirit of that prophetic word in Jesus' mighty name. So who is Joseph? This prophetic decree declares who he is. We talked about that last week. Every one of us needs to know who we are, not who we were, who we are now we're in Christ. Bible says a person in Christ, he's a new creation, new potential, new life center, new capacity, new abilities, new giftings. What a start when you give your life to Jesus Christ. And so Joseph here is called a tree. That word tree means literally a son or a builder of the house. God calls us to be builders of the house of God. Not temporary people like come in and out like a McCafe uh, who just walk in and walk out, put their order in. I like going to McDonald's. You put your order in, get that latte with some Irish cream in there. This is a bit I like about it. Just put my dough down and walk away and leave the dishes. It's brilliant. I like going to McDonald's. Nice people there. But you don't feel actually as though you're part of it. I never go there to build. I just go there to have a drink. But in the church of Jesus Christ, we're not called to treat it like a cafeteria. We're called to be builders, to be planted in the house, connected in relationships, and begin to work together to build and extend the kingdom of God, build the house of God. Notice he says three things about this tree, this building tree. He says, number one, fruitful. God, that word means to literally to increase and grow. God has called us and destined us to increase and grow. When you are growing, you're happy. You're not growing, you're not happy. That's for sure. Uh, he called us to be by a well. That speaks of a prophetic anointing. 
anointing. If you're in this church, you have access to a flow of prophetic word, prophetic light, prophetic anointing. You can tap on it to hear God, see in the Spirit, move in the things of the Spirit. That prophetic well is within us. It's also in the mantle over my life, over the church. As we draw on it and begin to start to experiment, you'll find that you can move prophetically with great ease. It's not hard. If you're finding it hard, then uh, get one of your cellies to teach you. Get someone who's mentoring you to coach you. Or come along when we do a Gift of the Spirit seminar. We'll show you how to do it. It's part of your heritage. Whose branches run over the wall. That speaks of advancing the kingdom, of extending, going out. Never being contained, never being restricted, never being limited. Always going out. So we talked about that last week. Who are we? We're a fruitful tree. We're by a well and we break out. We can't be contained. We don't like to be tied down. Uh, that's good. I love this stuff. See, now I want to pick up a little bit uh, more about this. I want you to pick it up in Joseph, in Je- Joseph 45. Genesis 45. Here we go. Genesis 45. I want us just to look briefly at Joseph's assignment in life. If we accept that, that anointing, that, that word that God spoke to me is upon my life, upon all who connect to me, it, that, that same anointing can flow through relationship and that becomes part of who we are. Right? So that's why we're always dreaming up how we can go out further and how we can extend out further. You need to be thinking that way. Thinking how you can build people, build a house and extend out and influence the school, community, wherever you are. Okay, then now Joseph had an assignment in life. An assignment is something God gives for you to accomplish. Every one of us that's born into this world gets an assignment from God. It may take you a time to figure it out. But every person has an assignment. You have something God has called you to do. Not only that, as a church, we have an assignment. We're not called to be just like the church down the road, to be the same as them. We're called to be unique and to fulfill what God called us to do. I want you to have a look at something in here. See what you see out of this. And it says, uh, verse, uh, Joseph speaking to his brothers in the latter part of his life. In verse 5 of Genesis 45, he says, to them, uh, don't be so angry or grieved or sorry that you saw me. Now look at this. God sent me here to save or preserve life. Look at this again. Verse 7. God sent me. Notice that word sent. In the Bible, whenever you have the word sent, you have someone who has a mission. In other words, God planned something for Joseph for his life. God planned an assignment for him. I guess there are, you know, Joseph lived to me, very, very old person. You don't hear all of the things. You hear all about his assignment and how God worked in his life. So his assignment is very important. Why am I here? I was reading a funny little cartoon the other day, and uh, they said, the guy's in Dilbert, and, and he's talking. The other guy said, uh, he said, uh, what's your purpose in life? Good question to ask. What's your purpose in life? And he said, my purpose in life is to carry tremendous amounts of coffee from the coffee machine and deposit it in the urinal. And the guy said, I'm feeling depressed already. In other words, what he was saying was this. He's saying, I actually have no meaning for my existence on the earth. That's a tragic thing, isn't it? You and I call to have meaning and purpose. For our life to have purpose and meaning, we have to give ourselves to something that has got eternal value in it. If you just go boating, skiing, they're all wonderful, but they're all temporal. They don't last. And no matter how good you feel, it's all over before you know it. There's something in us needs to know I have an eternal investment. 
in the heart of every person. We need to know our purpose. We need to know what God has placed us on this earth to do, our assignment in life. When you discover your assignment, who you are, and what you're called to do, and focus your life on it, you can say no to lots of things that would waste your life, and you begin to become productive, fruitful, and fulfilled in your life. So I said with you once before, I talked to a man who was a billionaire, and he couldn't see the need for church until I said to him, but there's one need that can only be met through being connected to the people and the Spirit of the Lord. And he said, what's that? I said, it's a need that's lacking in your life. You don't have an answer to this one. And he, he was quite puzzled by it because he's, he's a billionaire, he's got everything. He said, it's purpose. Purpose. Why do I have what I have? Why am I here? What am I called to do? Okay, I want to have a look at that in, in Joseph. You know what Joseph here? It says, God sent me to preserve to you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So very clearly, Joseph had an apostolic assignment. The word apostolic means literally one who is sent on a mission. And apostles have a particular uh, mantle they carry, anointing they carry that enable them. They're sent by God to a place or to a people or to a particular kind of work. God sends them and anoints them to do it. But all of us can be apostolic in the sense that we're all called to build something for God and we all are sent by Him into the community. We're all sent to do something somewhere. Every one of us is sent. You notice here He said that I am sent to preserve for you. In other words, I am sent to make sure that your future prospers and that you are delivered out of a problem you don't even know about yet. An amazing thing. God sent him ahead. God foresaw one day a great famine that would destroy what he was about to do. God foresaw a great conflict would come into the earth that could destroy what he was about to do. And he chose a man to go ahead and to go way ahead and to be prepared. So when the time of that conflict came, he was able to actually facilitate and help them and deliver them right out of the problem and ensure that the purpose of God was fulfilled. So Joseph had a mission. It was to go into governmental area and the financial area and ensure that resources and influence were in place when God moved to deliver his people. An amazing thing. Joseph's story is amazingly prophetic. Let me give you several aspects of his life or of his story, several characteristics. But he was strategically placed not in a church. He was placed in the world. Now, the problem you find with the Jewish people and with the church is this. We just think too narrow. We continually think too narrow. The Bible continually from start to finish tells us that God's vision is for the world. And so we get preoccupied with a handful of people called a church. And God has got a whole lot of people who are about to be his church that he wants us to impact and to influence. God is interested in the world. God loved the world. Now think about this. God so the Bible talks about Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. When the Bible says God gave Jesus loved the church and gave himself for it, what do you think it means he gave himself for it? Do you think it's referring to the death on the cross? Jesus loved the church and gave himself for it. Well, when did he give himself? Hmm? He gave himself at the cross. He loved God, so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son who, you know, he, he died on the cross that, that we should not perish but live. So when did, when did Jesus give himself to the church? He gave himself at Calvary. But the church wasn't in existence then. 
the church wasn't in existence then. He gave himself for a people he foresaw would become his people. When God looks at the city of Hastings and Napier and this region, and he looks at his church, he just doesn't see the people who are meeting in a building. He sees beyond that, and he sees lots of people yet to be touched and added in if we'll do our job. God's heart is well into the community. And so here's the thing that people are amazed by continually. It's a really hard thing for us to grasp that God can and does speak to unsaved people and use them. And yet through the Bible, you'll see that God worked through Pharaoh to bring a major deliverance to his people. We'll see it in a few moments. God worked through Cyrus to release millions of dollars for the rebuilding of the temple. Cyrus, an unsaved man. God has worked through people over generations to do great things. Think about Cornelius, the Roman centurion. Remember what he did to help bless the people of God? He wasn't even a believer. See, so God works through people even beyond the ones we think to bring about his cause. So we've got to actually have a much bigger heart. Much bigger heart. Much bigger heart. Much bigger. 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 Okay, let me give you several characteristics of Joseph now. How about this? Number one, his personal life became a prophetic message. His personal life became a prophetic message. What does it mean by that? When you look at, when you look at Joseph, his betrayal and his whole character and his rising up to become a king... See, even sold from those pieces of silver. When you look at his life, rejected by his brothers, sold into slavery and betrayed by some pieces of silver, pieces of silver being sold, then raised up and becoming a king, it's a picture of the life of Jesus Christ. But get this, your life is meant to be a prophetic picture of who Jesus Christ is. We shared yesterday in the marriage, in the wedding service, marriage is a picture to the world of God's willingness to enter into covenant relationship with us. That's why divorce is evil to him, because it shows a picture of God that is not true. Covenant-breaking God. He's not a covenant-breaking God. So your personal life, hear this, one of the things God calls you to do, your life is to be a witness for what God is like. And this is Joseph's life, was a witness that revealed Jesus Christ. Second thing about him was this, is he was very spiritually sensitive. He was a man in touch with the presence and spirit of God. He was a man of prayer. How do we know he was a man of prayer? He could never have lasted the distance, got where he was, and have God's favor without being a man of prayer. You and I are called to be people of prayer. We're called to represent Jesus Christ. Here's another characteristic of his life. He had prophetic insight to people and the season he was in. He lived continually under a prophetic anointing that enabled him to be aware of the needs of people and to see what God was doing. You have that call too, to live under a prophetic anointing and to sense and to see and to operate prophetically wherever you are. You can, now, you've got to get out of thinking of prophecy just the way you sometimes see it in church. You've got to keep thinking of prophetic as actually bringing a word from God to people that opens their heart and their life and shows their destiny and their purpose. Right? Joseph, that was what was on his life. And you see how he, how he touched the lives of people. He actually ministered to unsaved people. There's another thing about him. He had divine favor in everything that he did. He had divine favor. God's presence was on him. The Bible tells in Genesis uh, 37, I think, or 41, it tells us that whatever he did, God prospered him, and they saw God's presence was with him. In other words, no matter where he was, he carried the presence of God on his life in such a way that wherever he went, people were blessed and said, I like this man. I can see God is with him. It wouldn't be great if... People said that about believers working for them in the community. Instead of saying they left early 
arrived late, came and left early, didn't do a good day's work. Imagine if you had the heart to serve God and represent God in the community, wherever you are, and that people, because of your life with God, felt saw his obvious blessing on what you do. Well, wouldn't that be great? That it's your destiny. You're called to that. You're called to that. That's your calling. But you've got to lay hold of it. That was the kind of man Joseph was. That's the kind of God, people God wants us to be. People who are of value to the community. Why? Because we love God. We carry the presence of God. We represent what God's like through our words and our actions. And God's favor's on us. God's favor can come on your business. God's favor can come on your schoolwork. God's favor can come in every area of your life. When God's favor come on one of my daughters, she, so, she had failed all the way through high school, and then her first year at university, she had realigned her life in, in harmony with God's will for her life, and as she started to carry the presence of God, that year she got in the top 10% in university. Can you believe that? And she was given provisional entrance, which, which they give when they say, we don't think you'll make it. We'll give you one chance some one chance come on think about this think about this these are things of Joseph here's some other characteristics of Joseph uh, he had uh, God gave him strategic connections with people in other words God linked him to people through which he could have a huge influence you realize God can link you to people he can give you business contracts he can connect you with people who can be a great step for you to go ahead God's able to do it but to do that, you've got to actually believe for it. This is what was a part of his life. This is what God calls us to experience. He was innovative. He broke out of, he broke out of tradition. See, the Jews forever kept thinking that God would only work through them. And to have God working through someone else among Egypt, the unsaved people, they couldn't conceive of that. They could never conceive that God would work for a person to bless someone who was not a Christian. Jews never conceived of that. And sometimes... People in the church don't conceive of that because our concept of God's a bit limited. But God wants to not only bless your life, I want you to become a blessing. So wherever you are, people are glad you're there because you have such a positive and godly influence. Another thing, he had an unusual wisdom, an unusual wisdom. He had answers for extremely difficult problems. Answers for extremely difficult problems. Now, most times when there's a problem, you find it's a problem of relationships or conflict of some kind. When you, you just talk to unsaved people, the mess their lives are in. You know what they need? They need wisdom from God how to unravel these hard problems. This was what was part of Joseph's life. So when we're called to be Joseph, when we're called to be like that, these are the characteristics God wants on our life. And last thing, he had a serving heart that promoted others. He had a serving heart that promoted others. Now you can read the story of Joseph and pick up the scripture quotations in there. But wherever Joseph went, he served. And this is what he did. The Bible tells us he so served the king of Egypt that the king of Egypt, get this, the king of Egypt in the end owned all of Egypt, all the money, all the land, all the cattle, and he had money from the surrounding lands. And how did he get like that? Joseph helped him get ahead in life. See, now that's the characteristic in Joseph's life. You see him when he goes and he's been sold into slavery into Potiphar's house. God connects him to Potiphar, he's the captain of the army. And you know, guess what happens? He begins to breathe such a blessing that Potiphar doesn't have to worry about anything because he knows it's going to just get better with Joseph running it than he could run it. Think about that. Joseph goes into the prison after he's been falsely accused. Guess what happens there? He has such a serving heart. Next thing you know, he's being promoted up again. He's in charge of the prison. People come into the prison, he uses his gift to minister to them. 
He gets called in front of the Pharaoh. He uses not only his gift to interpret the dream, but he actually helps the guy. He shows him what he needs to do to make him a billionaire. Does God do that stuff? Are we serving a different God? You see, the thing you're struggling with is, we've never thought God would do that for an unsaved person. Through us. To show what God is like. But God wants to do these things. God wants to do this. Why does God want to do these things? Because he's got a mission in the world. It's saving people. And God is wanting to place Christians in positions of influence in government, in finance, in business. Why? Because there are mo- millions in the world in this hour need to be saved. And God hears their cry and they're his people. And so he sends others. Why would he send you into business and government and all these things so you can generate a lot of money? Buy another boat? Buy another house? No. Because over here, there's all these people who are desperate and God hears their cry, considers he's their father, and he's saying, I'm positioning you here so you can be the answer to this hallelujah it's wonderful this is the blessing of Joseph amazing God's raising up many Josephs key giftings of Joseph and here's the key giftings that Joseph had number one he had a prophetic anointing on his life he flowed prophetically heard and saw in the spirit so we want to talk about that later this year and want to develop it more in the church so you begin to flow confidently in hearing and seeing second thing he had was a discernment a discerning of spirits he could discern he could discern times and seasons and he could discern people and the third thing he had was he had a gift of wisdom wisdom is knowing what to do all of these were giftings that he developed out of a relationship with God wisdom is knowing exactly the right thing to do at the right time see so he and he carried the presence of God what an amazing thing carrying the presence of God with those giftings in his life but what I want to talk about and pointing now is although these things are part of what we're called to be and do you have to grow into it tell someone next to you you have to grow you stay where you are you won't change how about that have we all sing that song how many sung that song here change me I don't want to be the same how many you didn't even realize what you were singing you just watched young people jump and you jumped and didn't even realize you had no idea what you were praying you're praying Lord change me and then pressure came into your life and conflicts and problems and did I really pray God change me <laughs> you better believe that's why answers Andy's song you know he's always every time Andy's up here he's got that song change me <laughs> he's doing that song hey but listen God wants to change us now here's the thing you need to understand I want you to read in Genesis chapter 37 so we're going to look at Joseph and we have an idea about what he's like prophetically anointed wisdom discernment giftings in his life he sees things he's got a great sensitivity to God great serving heart and uh, in, in these kind of things God gives him these connections all these kind of character wonderful characteristics oh how many would love all of those things happening in your life okay now here's the question if God tomorrow opened up a connection with someone in a high place would you be ready to do what God wants you to do in that position. In other words, if God put a million dollars in your hand, would you know what to do with it? For the majority, no. It's the truth. It's the truth. If you can't manage what you have now, you won't manage a lot. It's just an illusion. Just an illusion. Have a look at people who won lotteries, you find it made them miserable. Now listen, if God put you in a position where you had huge influence, what would you do? Well, 
You've got to be prepared for that. And so this is what happens. I want you to have a look at, at his first response. Here, look at him as a young man. Genesis chapter 37. I want to look at jo- uh, Joseph's maturity process. Maturity process, okay? means you grow up. Okay, here we go. Now, verse uh, Genesis chapter 37, verse 2. Now, these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph was 17 years old. So he's 17. He's feeding the flock with his brothers. The lad was with the sons of Bilhah, uh, his father's wives. And Joseph brought to his father their evil report. In other words, he ratted on his brothers and told the dad what they were up to. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than other, all the other children. He was a favorite uh, because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. So you see, every time Israel looked at Joseph, you know, I really something. Ooh. And uh, so he really loved this boy and he gave him this coat of many colors. And uh, when the other brothers saw that the father loved him more than all the brothers, they hated him and they could never speak peaceably to him. Joseph dreamed a dream and told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. Verse 6, and the brothers said, Shall you indeed reign? Uh, verse 8, shall, shall you reign over us, or will you have dominion over us? And they hated him more for his dreams and for his words. Verse 11, they envied him. Now notice this, that Joseph, as a young man, gets a touch of God on his life. God puts his hand favorably on the boy. He's 17 years old. Who? New generation rising up. Ho! Make way! Ho! Here we go! That's kind of what it was like. But the problem was he needed to grow up. So you know what he did when he got this great revelation? Whoa! I've been caught up to heaven. I've had some dreams and visions. God is putting me over all of you. And they loved that vision and dream especially from the younger brother. Everyone loves the youngest one rising up and saying, I'm going to be in charge of you all. Most, of, most times the younger brother gets picked on eh? by everyone. It passes down the food chain. The lowest down, he gets the, the hardest time. You know? so, so the problem was he was immature. He was self-centered. This is what the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 1. It tells us that knowledge puffs us up. Knowledge puffs us up. Love builds us up. So here's his problem, was he lacked humility and wisdom. He lacked the character needed to be this man that God wanted him to be. He lacked the character to fulfill the assignment God had given him. So guess what God did after he given this great vision? There he is out to it in the church. He's caught up to heaven, sees all these things. Oh, God, this stuff's going to happen. Oh, great. Now you can't touch him. Oh, no one can get near him. And the reason they can't get near it is because of pride. Because pride often accompanies spiritual experiences, spiritual revelation. It's one of the dangers of revelation. When we get it, it can make us proud. So a little later in the year, we're going to share with you how to receive revelation. So let me give it as a double banger package. If you're going to get revelation, then you've got to be sure that you develop the quality of character to carry it. Eh? And so they go hand in hand. So leave it up to God. He gives you the revelation. That means you're entitled to possess something. But it does mean God's going to help you get there by growing you. So God arranges a process. And I want to describe the process. Let me just read in 1 Corinthians 8 verse 1. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. That word puff means to blow up, to inflate, to make you proud or full of self-importance. You can imagine a balloon. Knowledge. The more you know, that's why people come to, they go to Bible college. You know when they come home? All puffed up like big bullfrogs. 
know all the Bible. You don't know nothing. You've got a lot of knowledge. What you need some life experience. And I would, you, people come out of university, go away from university and come back. And first year students, they've done one year, they're full of puffed up stuff. Second year, puffed, by the end you get to university, you realize you don't know much at all. But you can still come out puffed up knowing all this stuff. Get to your first job, they put you there in morning teas or something because you don't know nothing. They realize that your attitude of being all puffed up is going to stop you being any use to anyone. Because a person who's puffed up looks down on everyone. And so you don't see your gifting and what you have as being for the benefit of others. You see it as being for your elevation and importance. And so one of the, one of the dangers that, is, that accompanies revelation, accompanies learning and knowing things, is we get swelled in our head and we think, I know that. I know that. Whoa, look what I know. And then that affects our attitude to other churches. Affects our attitude to other people. And so you can always tell when someone's got that problem. It's so easy to tell. When they come and talk with you, after you've walked away, oh, they're way up there. Oh, they're very, very spiritual. Well, now, if they're very spiritual, they have a humble character and a humble, humble thing. And so they would be lifting you up. So if you walk away from an engagement with someone and they've talked about all the spiritual things and you're, <gasps> it may well be that they're projecting from their heart how much I know. Okay? Love builds up. That word builds means to be a house builder. Love is more concerned about building other people than about bragging or talking about spiritual experiences. Some things you can't talk about because actually it won't help the person. So you don't talk about it. You just keep it to yourself. Okay, so we need to grow. So, so, so here's the problem. He, lacked, he got this revelation. He's going to be a king. He's going to have dominion. Oh, we love messages. You can do it. I'm going to succeed. I'll have dominion. Oh. And we get worked up inside and become full of pride. Actually, You've got to develop a humble, serving heart. Otherwise, you can never have that. Because in the kingdom, of course, the disciples got like that. They followed Jesus around. Woo! Look up miracles. Oh, look what's happening. Oh, we're on a roll here. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? That was their mentality. See, but this is not a kingdom mentality. Jesus said, well, you, if you can go to the cross and die like I can, then you'll have a good place. But you've got to learn. You've got to grow. Now, let me just give you some of the things that were the growing process. I want you to read back in Genesis 49. Genesis 49. So God had an assignment, but for the assignment to be fulfilled, you have to let God mature you, or you can actually abort what he's called you to do. Abortion means you terminate before maturity. Terminate before completion. And so what can happen? Genesis 49 verse 20. Notice it says, The archers have surely, sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. That's a strange thing to say in a prophetic word. But that word archer means literally the Lord of the arrows. The Lord of the arrows has hated him and shot at him. Who was the Lord of the arrows then? That word Lord is the word, not the word that refers to God. It's the word Baal. The Baal of the arrows has hated him and shot at him and really hurt him. Okay, now who is the Lord of the arrows then? I mean, God has arrows, but there's another Lord of arrows too. Psalm 68 says, it describes and tells us what arrows are. Arrows are bitter words. The Lord of the arrows is the devil. 
the Lord of the arrows is the devil, demonic powers. And demonic powers hate you coming into your inheritance in God. They hate you getting into a place of faith. They hate you accessing the realm of heaven. They hate you getting a hold of what God wants you to be and to do. They don't want that. They hate it because they envy you. The devil envies people. Why does he envy? Because he was destined to rule this world. And he, uh, so he was thrown down from his place. And Adam, a man, was raised up. And man is destined to rule the creation God had. And the devil hates it. He didn't want you to rule anything. He wants you to come under his foot. And so the devil will always stand against and push against anyone who moves prophetically. And how does he do it? It works every time. Bitter, accusing misrepresenting opinionated words that's how he does it and that's the biggest weapon that he uses to stop us he fires attacks against us broadsides against us arrows that wound they get in you and hurt there's not many people here haven't had false accusations at some time not many people here haven't had people misrepresent them at time not many people here haven't had someone speak against you at some point. Listen, that is like a fiery arrow. It hurts you. It's into your heart, and sometimes you're not easy to get it out. You get angry. You get, you get stirred up on the inside. And you know what happens if someone's got arrows sticking in them, and they're on fire and burning up with the poison of those arrows, they'll try and track someone else and talk to them and spread the poison, get everyone else on fire as well. That's why you've got to learn to silence Voices which you're accusing, condemning, or opinionated. Why? Because they won't build. They'll always destroy. You don't want to be part of destruction. So, so the Bible says, 1 Peter 5, 6, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. So the Bible says there's something we can do. We can humble ourselves under the hand of God. Now I want to share with you several things that God used to shape Joseph. Several things he used to shape Joseph. Number one was containment. He literally put him in a prison. You think, here you are, and you're called to have a great vision for the nation. God's put something in your heart to do something, and then you find you're financially in a prison, or you're in a, you just can't seem to do what you're called to do. Everything in your circumstances is restricting or limiting. Now, you can fight against it, wrestle against it, get angry with it, get bitter with it, or whatever, but at the end, it may well be that God has contained you to shape you. In the place of containment, I've been in those places of containment. And in the place of containment, impatience comes to the surface. You become impatient. And so you begin to strive. That's what happened to, to Abraham. Abraham got impatient. So his wife come up with a plan, have sex with the maid. And that's why we've got the Arab problem in the Middle East right now. Impatience brings forth lots of terrible things. So... We, so, so he was contained. He was contained for 13 years. He was 30 before he got out. He got the vision at 17. He was 30 before it was fulfilled. 13 years he was contained. How about that? Here's the second thing that God used. God used misunderstandings. Misunderstandings. Everyone wants to be understood. In Acts chapter 7, it says of Moses, he thought everyone understand. I'm going to be your deliverer. Joseph thought the boys will all understand. I'm going to be the boss. You may think, well, you may understand. Well, why don't you understand that I'm, I've got a big gifting on my life. I'm called to be this, this, and this. Well, we don't understand it all. We just want to see what your character is like. Whether you have a heart to serve or whether you'll use your gift to destroy and build your own, destroy people, build your own uh, uh, reputation. 
You see, so God wants to build us on the inside. We've got to be willing to grow. Here's another thing. Misunderstandings. How many, how many had some misunderstandings sometime? Many you tried your best. How many have realized this? That you can't explain your way out of it either. It's like the more you try and explain, the worse it gets. Till you learn after a while, shut up. Don't say a word. Just let it roll over your head. Let God sort it out. It's part of him trying to shape you up and grow you, teaching you to humble yourself under the hand of God that in due course he can lift you up. Believe me, it's better let God do it. You just fight it. You'll stir up a fight. Here's nothing. Bitter criticism, being criticized. When people criticize you, speak against you, find fault with you. You know what you want to do? You want to up like the sons of Joab and up with a hair. You've got to learn to let go so there's no reaction. Dead men don't react. You've died in Christ and surrendered your rights to him. If God gave the vision, he can bring it to pass. You don't have to help God out. Tell someone you don't have to help God out. Yeah, we don't have to help God out, you know. He's well able to get things done if he wants to. Here's another thing that happened to him. This is another part of the growing process. He was betrayed by his brothers. He went out with his, his brothers. He's grown up with them. And then they sell him off for 20 pieces of silver. Betrayed by his brothers. That speaks of someone in the church, a brother. Not someone in the world, a brother that you built relationship with. And then they sell you down the line. How many know about that? Of course, we all know about that. That happens. I mean, that's all happens. That's because God's trying to grow you. Don't get angry at the brother. Just get over it. Yeah, we taught you how to get over it last year. Get over it. Let God help you grow. Here's another one. False accusations. You're guilty. You know, the, the, the Pharaoh's wife. And here is this guy's keeping himself holy. He's keeping himself free from temptation. Part of his wife's there every day. And she's got the dresses getting lower cut every day. And, and she's pulling on him. And he's oh my God. He's keeping himself up. Oh, God, I'm a man of destiny. I've got to keep myself in there. And then finally she grabs him. She grabs him. He could have said, oh, well, just once. Okay. No way. She says, I'm out of here. And as he ran, half his clothes fell off. And she got the clothes. So she says, he came in here and he tried to molest me. And so they all got angry through him in prison. He didn't have anything he could say that would get him out of it. You imagine later on when he got promoted to being at the top, how Potiphar's wife must have trembled and had nightmares every night. God's got his way of getting you back to the top. You've got to let God do it, not try and make it happen yourself. Just let God, submit to God, let God do it. See, false accusation. False accusations are part of the process of growth. Ingratitude's another one. Oh, this is a hard one. Now, this is one where quite a few people here will be stuck right now. God's trying to get over. Now, listen, ingratitude is where you do kind things to people and they don't say thank you. That's what ingratitude is. So here's, the, here's these two guys in, in there and, and, and in the prison with him, and they ask for a word from him. Well, they both have a dream, and he interprets the dream, and one of these guys gets off, and he's out of the prison, and he's free. He says, now, when you get out, remember me. The guy doesn't remember him. Think about that. When you've done things for people and they never said thank you. If you're immature, you get huffy and offended. I've known leaders in the past to get like that. It's a bit of a disappointment, really, because you know they've got great potential, got a Joseph call, had great prophecies on them, and someone didn't say thank you often enough. Next thing, I'm not going to do this anymore. It's immature when we sound alike, but that's what people do. So we've got to learn to let God thank us, let God appreciate us. Jesus said, I, can't, I don't seek honor from men, I seek it from the Father. There's, there's times when people, when God will set it up so your good is deliberately overlooked to see what's in you. 
did you do it because you wanted people to commend you or you're doing it because this is who you are and God has called you to be that person and he's watching you all the time hello there's not bad ones are they I'll go through them again. Here we go. Containment, where you seem to be locked up and circumstances or finance or, or whatever it is contains you and you're busting with all these good things that you just got to get out there and you can't. Horrible thought. Horrible. His time came. Uh, misunderstandings, where people misunderstand you, misrepresent you, false accusations, criticism, all those things. This is what happened. In, in the midst of it all, Joseph honored God, forgave his brothers, and served. He did all of those things. He honored God when, when his time came. See, the Bible says in Psalm 105, tells us that until the time his word came to pass, the word of God tested him. Or, or, or just put it another way. The vision that God had for his life had a timing. And until that timing came about, circumstances and everything pushed against that to make it look like it could never happen. But he never, ever let go of God. And so God had him prepared, and then suddenly he emerges. Suddenly Elijah emerged. Suddenly John the Baptist came on the scene. Suddenly God did a work and Joseph was promoted. Suddenly took 13 years to take place. Suddenly the Holy Ghost fell. But it had taken 10 days of prayer for it to happen. God suddenly, he can suddenly move something quite quick. The key is, have you gone through the preparation process that you were ready to stand up and say, now's my time. The interesting thing is when Joseph got out of jail and they said, we know you can, you can dream dreams. He said, no, 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 not me. God can do it. Okay, let your God do this. And so he interpreted the dream, and they said, boy, this guy's got God in him. We need someone with God in him. See, notice, he never let go of God all that way. Can you imagine sitting in a, in a rat hole of a prison with all that goes with that, and all the time you're holding on that God has got a purpose. He's not going to let you go until it's fulfilled. What a man of faith. What a man of, of character and integrity. And then when his brothers came, now get this. How many have been in a position where someone really hurt you and you're thinking, man, I want to get back? And then your moment came when you had the power to. Sweet. You have to have a good character to be able to not misuse your power against people. Power and authority and privilege and position are not given to hurt people. They're given to build people, to have the character of the kingdom of God to serve. Finally, we see that wherever he was, he served. When he got out of prison, he could have just said to the king, hey, listen, here's the interpretation of your dream. But he did more than that. He said, let me show you how you can really go ahead on this. And he worked alongside him, and the king became a billionaire. He helped an unsaved man prosper. An unsaved man who was in charge of the prison. An unsaved man who ruled the nation that had defeated his nation. But inside, he said, I'm a man of destiny. I'm a man called by the Holy Ghost. I'm a man with an assignment in life. And my prison time's going to come to an end. My prison time will come to a close. My time when God's shaping me be all over. And suddenly one day I'll get a call and it'll be out of that prison. There's an enlargement comes and I'm ready for it. He was ready for it when his time came. 
It's wonderful to have the promises and the blessings and all these kind of prophecies. But every one of us needs to walk with God through the process of being shaped and able to be God's man, God's woman. And I know all of you are going through those kind of processes now. You just haven't seen it was God. You fought and reacted against this and that and didn't realize God was preparing you for something big ahead. God was preparing you so you could fulfill your assignment. And when you were misunderstood, God was preparing you to fulfill your assignment. When you were betrayed, God was getting you ready for your assignment. When you went through a prison time, God was getting you ready for this assignment to be fulfilled. When you had false accusations, God was preparing you for your assignment and never did you let go that if God had spoken to your heart he could bring about what he said he'd do if God has spoken into your heart and life whatever he said he can do he can do it believe him hold on to him and grow and change in the process this is what the I'll give you one last verse just to finish up it goes something like this It tells us that when we were children, we thought like children, we reasoned like children, we talked like children, but now it's time to put off childish things and to become grown up so we can be who God called us to be. For too long, the church of Jesus Christ has been immature, self-centered, and literally childish. God's called you to the work of ministry. He's called you to grow, develop, be trained, and have a ministry in the house and outside the house to touch and extend the kingdom of God. Every believer. Listen, the last great move of God on the earth will be a great people of God, sons of God, people who have been willing to go through the maturity process. God will work through you to accomplish His most extraordinary feats. It won't be in the church's walls. It'll be outside. How do we know that? Because in Ephesians 4.11, it tells us this. The fivefold ministry, apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, are for the perfecting of the saints for the work of ministry. Until we all grow up and become mature. And then it lists a whole lot of things we'll see. No longer tossed about. No longer unstable. No longer living out of emotions. It's winter, I feel bad. Oh, it's summer, I feel good. I got a bill, I feel bad. I had an accident, oh, I feel bad. No, living in maturity, out of dependence on the Word of God. Oh, I just got upset by someone. Listen, speak the truth in love and resolve it. No longer being disconnected and isolated, being part of a body, contributing, connecting. That's God's plan. Hey, you either position yourself to be part of it or you fight against God. And He'll always have someone who completes His plan. He'll always have someone who completes His plan. May God let it be us. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank You, Lord, for the great calling that's on our life. Lord, to have impact, to carry prophetic anointing into the, mar- into the market, into community, to touch the lives of people with the supernatural power of God. Lord, prepare us for that work. Lord, work in our lives. Develop our character. Grow us up so we become mature, no longer easily offended, no longer disconnected, no longer getting out of joint and operating independently, but flowing together in the anointing and call that you've placed on us in Hawke's Bay and beyond. Father, release your presence and anointing into this church. My God, let immaturity begin to be a thing of the past. Let a whole new generation arise. 
committed to your call, realizing and believing we can make a difference in this area. We can impact people with the life and power of God if we will submit and humble ourselves under your hand and grow up. My God, let there be a release of a quickening anointing in this church that people might accelerate in their growth, that the process of growing would quicken and enlarge in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said... Amen. Come on, why don't we stand? Give the Lord a clap and honor Him today. Jesus, we honor You today. We thank You for the great call that's upon our lives. We thank You, Lord, we can have a difference. Lord, we call to have a difference.